Um, so, um, anyway, uh, it's been quite a week. Uh, okay. I think that's enough play- playful b- banter. Yeah. Cue the- Producer Jack. Hit it. Hit it. <laughs> <laughs> Howdy. Welcome to episode 52 of the Managing Expectations podcast. This is your host, Jeff Winker, and I'm not feeling very good about myself because I'm looking at uh, my picture next to the uh, svelte, the fit and athletic middle-aged Brian Grimm. Howdy, Brian. Howdy, Jeff. Look good, feel good. That's great. <laughs> I put on my dress hoodie and everything, and uh, yeah, I'm just not just not feeling that great. Um, but um, uh, we've got some things to talk about because uh, at your urging, I watched that WeWork uh, documentary on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't we write, Why don't we get right into that? Uh, what, what, why don't are, are you are you prepared to um, tell uh, to to uh, uh, tell an abbreviated um, WeWork? I mean, bring everybody up to speed about WeWork. Because by the way, I, I've talked about it with people, and they're like, I don't know, they'd never heard of WeWork. Well. Uh, Yeah, WeWork started in New York City. Um, It was a company that was formed by uh, a character. A a high energy, charismatic um, uh, founder, forward founder, forward thinker. Okay, Is, is, is that what we're calling a fraud now? Like, um, imagine David Koresh in New York City. Um, see, he seemed more like a California guy to me. You know, I mean, I mean, just how new agey. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so congratulations, you Brian. Um, you you came off the rails in uh, um, in uh, t- telling the WeWork story about 10 seconds into it. So it's a company. You asked me, you asked me to, to, you asked me to do it. Well, do you you want to take another swing at it? No. Go on. Mm -mm. Oh, 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 poor little fella. I don't want to talk now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think, yeah. He so uh, Adam Newman was the co-founder and a charismatic guy. Uh, several people commented on how tall he was, so I don't know if they really said, but you know, six foot five or six six or whatever. Okay. Um, but they he had set up this company where people would come and share office space. Uh, 
and that way you could kind of get the which is which is something that um commercial commercial real estate has been doing that for a while now yep. uh, I, i've gone to i mean there's all sorts of uh professionals uh be they head shrinkers or uh, you know whatever architects or, or or i mean they just rent an office and they've got like a there's like a lady you know there's a receptionist could be anybody i, I guess but uh there's a receptionist and like a common area and some comfortable seating and yeah you know you just you just rent an off it and a conference but, but room it, a conference room if you need it but but it is it but it's not it's not exactly like renting an office right i mean it's, it's not ex no the uh uh their thing is that you could be with other individuals that you may be from different industries and, and work in different uh, types of business, but uh, you could have this energy in the collaboration of ambitious, good-looking young people. <laughs> and uh, yeah, this is where this is where I totally flip into okay boomer mo mode. I mean, uh, all of that just left me cold. Right. Um, so. So it's it, 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 it's it okay. So first of all, so it's a, it's it's the real estate company uh, that wanted to sell itself as a tech company. Yep. And so it it was it was renting office space, and and it should be noted that um, these offices were designed beautifully. Uh, the interior space was like straight out of Dwell magazine. It was just beautiful and modern. Um, and yes, there were common areas where you could collaborate. And presumably, it, so it's it's more than just, and and it, it's more than a Starbucks, but but less than renting your own office. Right. Yep. Uh, and uh, that is to say your own commercial real estate where you're going, where you're really committing to a lease and so forth. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even know. I, I don't even think they talked about that. Like, I mean, could you go month to month at these places or? Yeah, I we so we work did expand into denver and they they had a couple of places here and i had looked into it um for my business just because i don't really want i don't really need a brick and mortar place to meet people but it's a nice place to get your mail to have a professional receptionist answer the phone and to have a um a conference room if you were to need one um but it just it was it was too expensive for what I needed and it was, and it was down in downtown Denver. So I don't need to drive to downtown Denver to meet people. I, you know, I don't go down there if I don't have to. And so I found someplace in the tech center where I can get my mail. They have somebody who answers the phone when somebody calls my office line. Um, and, uh, then they push it, push the phone call to me. And, uh, and it's a couple hundred bucks a month. Is that it? Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Now, if you go in to use an office, 
Yeah, if I go into, I can reserve. Just hypothetically, say your brother-in-law was living with you, and so and so you needed you needed to, uh, you know, a little more space. Right. You could you get that? I could, yeah. And so I think it. I think it. It probably be less than five hundred bucks a month that I can have an office there. Okay. And is, and is, I could rent a conference room for a couple of hours if I needed to. Um, you know for a few bucks, whatever. Okay. I mean, and, uh, and it's, uh, it's got a professional imprateur. Uh, um, I mean, it doesn't look like you're just, um, yeah, uh, doing office a la carte. Uh, I mean, if you need the conference room. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a nice, it's a nice place, but not- I mean, because the last head shrinker that I was seeing did this mm-hmm. and I was able to figure it out like, oh, this is like a, this is that thing. I mean, it wasn't we work, obviously, but it was, you know, because, you know, the receptionist would turn over and, um, you know, there, it just it just seemed like the conference room was a little um, catch as catch can. And, um, you know, the. And, and then there were like some cubicles that weren't quite offices. Like, you know, if you, if somebody wanted to come in on the, on the, on the, on the budget side, you know? Right. Okay. Yeah. So, 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 so it's a couple hundred bucks a month, but we work, I think was, we work was 500 bucks a month. And the truth is, is like, I just, for my business, I don't really need to be surrounded by, a bunch of millennials yammering about their startup. I just, I don't need that. Speaking of okay. Boomer. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, dude, I watched So I watched this. Uh, and what was the name of the documentary on, on Hulu? It was uh, we work or something. I think, I think it was just called we work. Wasn't it? I don't know. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I, no, I, I, I mean that the whole, th- I mean, there were some things that left me, stone cold um um and one of those was you know look uh, okay so when i was when we when my wife and i were in our 20s uh in the in the 80s oh a big tv show at the time was 30 something uh which was this um it was a kind of an acclaimed appointment television show with um, there's some people that you'd recognize uh, some uh, uh, Timothy, Timothy Busfield, Busfeld, Busfield, um, who, who played Danny Kincannon on the West Wing and he played uh, a guy on um, Studio 60 um, I've 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 never seen th- this show. Uh, this is Ken us. Olin. Ken Olin. But, but the show This Is Us, the current TV show, is like okay. It's like thirty something. It's like the modern day thirty something. Would you say that? I've never seen uh, uh, This Is Us. Um, maybe. Well, except except it is more modern because thirty something in the eighties mid to late 80s was uh called i think by one reviewer 
the whining white people show um, because they were all um, upwardly mobile. Julene actually did a really funny imitation uh, when she was like, I don't know if I want to have a baby. I don't know if I don't want to have a baby. And she's just like, it's just like, I mean, I mean, um, far be it from me to call white privilege uh, on somebody, but um, you know, it just, they just seemed like uh, people that um, had the world on a silver platter. And, you know, if, if your problems are, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I never saw it. I never, I never watched it. Um, and I don't know that Julene did. I don't know how she picked up the um, overwrought emotion of, uh, uh, of, of, of the series. But anyway, um, my point being here, baby boomers, when they were in their 30s, were full of crap. Uh, they were they were self-important. They thought that they were going through everything for the first time ever, uh, from having a from starting a family, to uh, having a career, uh, and all of that. Okay, um, the, the the challenges of a successful life in the modern world. And I was struck watching WeWork that the millennials who are frequently maligned uh, and probably incorrectly so. I think, I think, you know, because, you know, you, if you deal with like a 20, somebody in their early twenties anymore, they're not, they're not really millennials anymore. Mm -hmm. Millennials now are like 30, 35. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, these are people really coming into the workforce, which is why uh, to a large extent, the workforce is uh, so impossibly lame um because because you know for god's sake you they're triggered about everything it's like what you brought you brought peanut butter you packed peanut butter in your child's lunchbox don't you know you could kill half the school like uh, i'm sorry i i thought it would be a problem if um i sent him with my sig sour so instead i i i, I packed a peanut butter and jelly sandwich anyway uh uh i i, I kind of lost the train but i mean i just think that you're young and you're finding your place in the world and you think you've got it figured out but you really don't so hang just don't talk too much until you're like 40 mm -hmm. and then let's see where we're at okay yeah. Yeah. yeah and you seem to have nailed that buddy Thanks. <laughs> well, I the, one of the things that stood out with with the WeWork documentary was um, oh right the we were we were still talking about that weren't we Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> was the uh, hey, listen? I can pivot back to the millennials in a cocaine heartbeat. So just don't you worry. Uh, you remember the executive assistant who I do the one who who thought it was I, and I, I actually. Though I found her, I, though I thought she was full of crap, I was actually kind of moved by her because, yeah. first of all, uh, because her, with her story, she told, um, so, ton, okay, so before you go there, 
can I just say that what you and I and lots of other people, including the eminent uh, Professor uh, Scott Galloway, who was, you know, had, had some very brief screen time in this, uh, see as a place that rents office space, it consistently sold itself as a tech platform. Mm -hmm. Okay. In, now, okay. So a lot of these tech startups, when they hit it big, and this is true of Microsoft, it's true of Amazon, it's true of Google, they create lots and lots of millionaires. If you get in on the ground floor, if you get stock options, you, you're, you'll be a millionaire when this thing takes off. And a lot of these WeWork people believed in that. And including this assistant who got the job as uh, what was the tall guy's name? Adam Newman. Adam Newman's personal assistant thought that this was this was going to be the last job she ever had because first of all she wanted to do it for a long time, uh, which was stupid. But then also because she had stock options, which turns out she was getting ripped off. Yeah. Uh, and we can we can go into that. So. Um, I, I thought that she had, uh, I actually found her um, compelling and sympathetic mm -hmm. despite being full of crap. So, I, Well, I, I felt the same way. And I can't remember exactly why her, you know, her, she had had some struggles and I can't remember exactly what it was, um, but she had to get a job. She's living in New York City, needed a job. And she found out about this thing at WeWork. Um, but she bought into the hype. Um, the one of the he really promoted community and collaboration, and that you're building something bigger than yourself by being around people and work and working on something that really mattered. Uh, and, and, right, and I think that that is that that fits a real human need, mm -hmm. uh, and and I think that it it, it is especially appealing to young people who uh who have who have come of age in a time when families and traditional institutions have in many ways failed them um so i think that's appealing can you tell me one thing that they were collaborating on that was greater than themselves no yeah no, I mean, they, like the, happy hour, happy hour. Yeah, yeah, they had ping pong tables. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then they, they had the we work retreats where they would have these huge, tremendous. Bacchanals. The, the, yeah. Bacchanals comes to mind. Right. Uh, these huge corporate parties out in the middle of nowhere. Keggers. And, yeah. And it was basic. It was basically a free for all. And Adam, it was, what, what did some, didn't somebody call it like the fire festival? If the fire festival had worked. Yeah, exactly. Or had, had succeeded something like that. So you have Adam Newman who talks for 45 minutes about the importance of what they're doing. Then uh, they'd have some pop star come out and do, you know, 50 minutes on their greatest hits and then all the booze that you could handle. And all these people are between the age of 20 and 30 years old. Yeah. So I wonder what happened next. Yeah. Tripping balls. <laughs> you think there was drug use? 
I don't know. I didn't. I didn't see that. <laughs> I didn't see Who that. Was I movie? telling? I, I was. Uh, uh, you know, uh, um, a young woman I used to work with who um, credits me with. Uh, <laughs> Brian, if um, if if I cut out at all, I w- I've been expecting a package. Uh, I've been expecting a a, a, a premium router. Um, unfortunately, it was shipped to me U.S. Postal Service. Here we so, go. So so we, we can't. Um, uh, it's funny, you know, when, when I when when it's important. I I ship things Federal Express, FedEx, because I'm a baller, and and because I think that the service that you pay for really speaks to the depth of your of your of your friendship. It's not really. just it's not just what you're sending someone, but it's also how you send it. So anyway, yeah. Uh, we, we, we were talking about, uh, yeah, uh, what happens when uh, you have, uh, I, I don't know, hundreds of young people like kayak into, I don't know, I don't even know where they went, the Catskills. I mean, it seemed like upstate New York. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. And then, okay, so, okay. And look, um, whether it's like the incredibly square and nerdy old white men like yeah do you ever see that microsoft um a video of like it was like some sort of product rollout it was it was when i think it was when windows 95 was released and that old yeah and and you have uh steve steve ballmer and 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 bill gates and they're like they're wearing dockers and sweaters and then, like, they're doing like the white man boogaloo. And Steve Ballmer is like whipping his arms around and jumping all over the place. It's like, hey. He was dancing like Will Ferrell as Janet Reno. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so, uh, so I understand that in business, uh, um, enthusiasm is contagious. And uh, we we've spoken pre- we have spoken previously about um, uh, you know a, a corporate culture and uh, wanting uh, people to be committed and positive, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Um, and you know, I mean, that, that is part of leadership, but. Um, you know, Churchill was a leader of the of the British peoples. Um, Hitler was a leader, but it got a little personal. And when it gets personal, it starts to seem culty, doesn't it? A little bit like a cult. A little bit. And and, and so Adam Newman would say these things, and again, uh, a person with uh, extraordinary charisma and people were just like i mean it's like sure it was like sure what was the what i was thinking sure khan but it wasn't sure khan it was the python in jungle book with with the eyes that trust in me (laughs) that's the one (laughs) 
<laughs> but yeah, he would say we're making the world ka. a better ka. Yeah. K-A-A. Yeah. yeah. Make sure you, uh, make sure you say both the vowels. Ka. Ah. <laughs> wow. You just you you're practically a native speaker. Um he would when Adam Newman would say we're making the world a better place, it sound I mean it sounds ridiculous, but people would really believe that that's what they were doing. Is making the world the world a better place through this right. Through this well part, be, party. Right. Because it well yeah, but then they, then they also started selling other lifestyle things, right? So then we work became we live, and then that started getting weird because that was essentially and 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 Mrs. Winger called that one. She's like, those were dorms, right? Right. So I mean, they're like two hundred square foot rooms, which were of course beautifully designed. There was a Murphy bed, and like you could like have a desk fold out and everything folded out and you know and again there were there were communal areas so you could go hang out with people and watch stuff they didn't want you to leave they, they wanted it to, to be completely contained in this building and then and then like they interviewed people and they said uh yeah so it's like well it's just kind of weird if you had other people over <laughs> Or like if you were like leaving to like go out with friends, they were like, "Well, what? Why are you doing that?" So we live was 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 weird, but the point where I really wanted to throw my shoe at the television was when they started referring to like the leaders of the company as CWOs. It's so stupid. Do you remember that? Oh, oh, oh instead of a CEO. CWO. Because of they just wanted to fit the we in one more thing. Yeah. That's funny. When I just say we without context, uh, I actually almost think of like the uh, gaming platform, the WII. Do they still make those? Um, they don't. But I think you you could probably pick one up. But the it's it's a great it's a great uh, gaming system. Why did they stop making it then, Brian? Because they could charge more for the upgraded version. Which is why who made that one? Sony. Nintendo. Nintendo. Nintendo Wii. Mm-hmm. Sony PlayStation. Yep. And Microsoft Xbox. That's it. All right. Yeah. Let's let. We got to focus. So we're still talking about WeWork. So we see we owe. Yeah, that that just sounds like the young Drew Barrymore is trying to pronounce it or 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 Cindy Brady. <laughs> so, yeah, so they they OK, so I OK, so the one woman who stole all the emails, she was older, right? Yeah. And. And uh, while she probably did the right thing, uh, that was weird too, wasn't it? It was weird. Like she, like they never really explained how she got away with that. Yeah. Well, okay. So okay. So so uh, 
for, uh, for those not familiar with the documentary, this was a woman who was like an executive's uh, assistant. So she's an executive assistant. And out of, you know, kind of like convenience or laziness, uh, she, um, uh, the executive just gave her his password. So she was getting into um, uh, his email, checking it, passing on important stuff. And she comes across some, well, go ahead, Brian. Well, so you have this company that is expanding at a tremendous rate. They're, they're buying old buildings and pouring a ton of money into them to renovate them so that they're super cool and they can attract people to come work there. They're spending a ton of money on these corporate retreats. Um, they're expanding so fast. And people keep investing in them, right? And people keep investing, but they are bleeding money. They're, they're hemorrhaging money. But is Matt, is, what was the guy's name, Masu? He's not involved yet. The guy, from, yet. the guy okay. from the guy from SoftBank. They're, so they're taking VC money. Um, you know, any investor that because they they're get. still presenting themselves as a tech platform. That's right. Yeah, because I, I, they want to be the Uber of office space. Right. Yeah. The, the cure for okay. the common office space. Okay. And yeah, is that? Did they say that? No. No. You're, be, no. you're making you're making a Mad Men joke. I am. Yeah, that's funny. It's funny and well executed. Thanks. So, so they were growing at a tremendous rate, but they are insanely not profitable. <laughs> um, and uh, this this woman happens to see some of the financials, and like the directive from the top is to cut, start cutting staff, start trimming people that you don't need, um, and it. You know it there and her her it her own boss was um especially injudicious in his vocabulary uh when when uh coming up with his list of people to be cut which was um which included the woman who was checking his email mm -hmm. at which point i don't know she pressed print and and a documentary was born. <laughs> took it. To, did she take it to the New York Times or something? Is that? She I, I, I don't. I, I actually, I don't. I don't know. I don't yeah. know. But uh, um, but Adam Newman is is all over the place talking about how wonderful the company is, and they're in really really bad financial straits, and they keep getting money because nobody wants to miss out on the next Uber of anything, mm -hmm. right? So as long as he's presenting himself as a disrupt, you know, and then you get into all this stupid modern business jargon, right? Yep. Um, as long as you're a disruptor, as long as you're, you know, the Uber of something, a, te a tech company, as opposed to, <laughs> Again, Scott Galloway's term, a renter of desks. Um, uh, you know, I mean, people people are willing to give you money, and uh, so so he was making the claim that they were um, profitable, but then in due course they start looking, and it's like, well, 
they're profitable if you don't count all this other stuff, which was, so there was a lot of creative bookkeeping going on. And I'm, I'm a little curious how that's not fraud. Right. Yeah. Like, how can you say that you're profitable if you're not counting your expenses? <laughs> yeah. Because that's essentially what they were doing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're super profitable. Look yeah. at all these people that are giving us money. No, I, yeah, if, if I didn't have to, okay, so like, you know, on paper, I could be fabulously wealthy, uh, as long as I'm not counting, you know, my, my insurance and my mortgage and my car payment and, and other, all of other operating expenses. That's right. That's right. Various and sundry pro expenses so so uh she seemed really to okay so she seemed older she seemed more professional uh so she was probably a gen xer mm -hmm. uh like like us brian like you and me <laughs> uh she was younger than me and, and probably older than you though she might not have been she might have been your age yeah because um and just didn't look as good, but really who does? Wow. Um, so, so, uh, she, she was composed. Uh, she made her case well. Okay. I, I thought some of those, some of the people interviewed did not make their case well. Um, the, no, they, they, they were still, riding on this euphoric high of being in the presence of Adam, Adam Newman and just, and just believing everything that came out of his mouth and just complete, completely delusional about what was really happening with their business. And, and Walter Isaacson and his Steve Jobs biography didn't, uh, didn't coin the term reality distortion field. That was somebody at Apple, right? Who, mm -hmm who would recognize that. So there was around Steve Jobs, just like, I mean, there were things that like, apparently, and, and look, I, I don't have a problem uh, calling um, Steve Jobs visionary. I mean, I think he had um, a really intense and focused uh, drive. I think he knew what he wanted, uh, how he wanted to get there. Now, I, I, I mean, I get Bill, Burr's joke that like, you know, that I mean, uh, Steve Jobs wasn't computer Jesus who actually invented anything. I mean, essentially he shows up and says, I want a computer that does this. And then other guys like worked like slaves uh, to do it. Now they all got rich too. Certainly. Maybe, but not as rich as Jobs. Uh, okay. Well, you know what? Take it up with Adam Smith, you know, take it up with capitalism. I mean, that's how it works. Yeah. But, 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 but he was, a, but, Apple created plenty of millionaires as well. But, but he also had a number of products that, that people, that everyday people would use. And whether he stole the idea and improved it and made it sexier or whatever the argument is for that, but there were, there were, there were, he, he knew what he wanted to build or he knew what he wanted somebody else to build and knew what and how people would use it. Yes, exactly right. Exactly right. 
as opposed to the renter of desks who convinced a bunch of 20 somethings that they were creating, making the world a better place. Right. Um, uh, so I, I get that, but I, I guess I'm, I'm talking and I, and I mentioned Hitler earlier and Hitler um, is, is of course the example that everybody uses when they have somebody, but he was um, according to historians an extraordinarily uh, charismatic speaker uh, really touched a nerve within uh, the defeated German people um, in the in the 30s, uh, you know, at least enough to get the ball rolling. So um, this is in no way a defense uh, of Adolf Hitler. It's just recognizing that there is a quality. And I, I, you know, I think we've talked about this before. I mean, I think that I mean, I mean, some people have a quality. I mean, you'll you, you'll you know, I mean, we've talked before about why do, why do chicks think, you know, uh, whatever, uh, 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 Mick Jagger to Dennis Leary to, I don't know, a much younger guy who's like really not that handsome. I mean, they just like can't, I mean, you know, they, they just like, they've got it. They've, they've, they've got a quality, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean, while while uh, being um, uh, resolutely content and indeed happy family men, we, in the course of the working day, uh, may run into a woman who's not Grace Kelly. She's not beautiful, but she's got a quality. Mm -hmm. I, it probably doesn't happen to you. It's happened to me once or twice. I'll have to think about that. I'll have to think about it. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you know, this, 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 oh, okay. So charisma actually comes from a Greek word that means a uh, gift, or I think. If I'm wrong, whatever, leave that a was, comment. That was charis charisma spelled with a K. <laughs> No, you're thinking of Krampus. Oh, right. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's just it's like a quality. Uh, the the French French, je ne sais quoi. Um, it's that ineffable quality. Did you ever see that bit on um, uh, How I Met Your Mother? Uh, when the guy says. Um, You've got a ineffable quality. She says, I'm ineffable, and she slaps him around. <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen that. Um so because she she had a she would go to Kramagra class and like nobody knew what that was, and they're like, I think it's <laughs> yoga. And then it turns out the Kramagra is like the Israeli martial art. And so when he says she's ineffable, um she knocks him across the room. Uh, it was it was a funny bit. Yeah. So, uh, Wiki, so now that I've explained it in such detail, it's probably not necessary to dig it out and watch it. Uh, Wikipedia talks about uh, charisma, and the Greek term means meaning a favor freely given or a gift of grace. So, which implies that it's like a divine quality that you know something higher than us is bestowed on some people. 
Brad Pitt. Clooney? I think. Yeah. I think especially Clooney. I mean, because with, with Brad Pitt, here's a guy who, I mean, could could have been chiseled by Michelangelo. Mm-hmm. Uh, Clooney is a handsome guy, but um, much more attainable. By the way, by the way, I was listening to another podcast and Clooney told the story about being in Cannes um, uh, with the guys from one of the Oceans movie. They were, they were releasing, I don't know, probably Oceans 12, which is the worst one, but like mm-hmm. they were all down there. So they're on somebody's yacht and um, uh, apparently, I don't know, something happened and like Brad Pitt takes his shirt off and, you know, he's just like, you know, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a reason why this guy played Achilles right. and they didn't have to CGI his his abs. OK, <laughs> I'm looking at you, Gerard Butler. So, 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 uh, <laughs> so, uh, Brad Pitt takes his shirt off and is going to jump in the water. And like, you know, he's on a yacht that's like, I don't know, five stories above the, the water. And Matt Damon's there and he's game because, you know, so he pulls his shirt off. And, and, and so Clooney's telling the story. He's like, look, Matt can get in shape because, you know, I mean, he can be Jason Bourne. Yeah. But that's not the natural state of things. <laughs> He's like, you know, Matt, Matt likes a, a cheeseburger and a beer on the weekends, you know, and so he takes his shirt off and Clooney was essentially like, dude, there's people with cameras out there. And, you know, Damon didn't care. And he took his shirt off and jumped in the water with Brad Pitt. So anyway, that was that story. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, there is. There is a quality. I, I, um, okay, so and uh, uh, Andy Kaufman has it. Adam yeah. Kaufman. Adam Newman. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's you, Newman. Hello, Newman. <laughs> That'll help me remember it. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, anytime. So, yeah, so he's got this quality. And then, you know, there the snowball is growing with people that are giving him money. And he gets yes. and he gets a ton of backing from SoftBank, which is one of the biggest investment banks in Japan, if not the biggest investment bank in Japan. Yeah, it's huge. Uh, and that guy, like, hit it huge on what? He hit – he – he made I lack think, of a, I mean, just more money than Midas on a, a really, really big. I mean, he 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 bought low, and it it, it got huge. Um, and it's uh, they they called him. What do they call him? Matsu. Matsu San. Matsu San, his la, his last name is S O N. Ma. Yeah, it's Maso, Maso, Maso Yoshi son. Okay. Uh, He hit big on Alibaba. There it is. 
there it is. Yeah. Um, so, cause yeah, which is the Chinese Amazon, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Except it does other stuff. Yeah. And, um, as, as we record this, I think Jack Ma, the founder of Alibaba is, has still been sent to his room to think about what he's done by the Chinese communist party. Right. You, yeah. you just go in there and you think about it. And, and you, we'll kind of take over the rest of the stuff. Thanks. And we'll, yeah, we'll tell you when you've had enough. Anyway. Um, so SoftBank, so he, Adam Newman needs cash and is courting Masosan. And uh, he gets some money from him and they're trying to go public at a $47 billion valuation. And okay. Well, so first of all, and by the way, they got a ton of money. I mean, weren't they up to like $20 billion mm -hmm. in, in, um, in value mm -hmm. when the, I mean, that, that was their peak, right? Yeah. All right. Well, you, you keep going because you've got a better head for the details. Well, so they're, they're trying to go public at a $47 billion valuation. And I don't, I don't know the whole process when a company wants to go public, but they have to file a form that goes out to all of their investors. Um, and then it's kind of like their, and maybe I'm not explaining this correctly, but it's, it's basically, it gives the details of their business to the public called, I think it's the S1 form. Is that, is that what they called it? I have is no idea. So it's, it's a S1, I, th I believe. And I'm, it, I, mi I missed that day in, in MBA class. But it, it details, uh, it gives the details about the company. And Scott Galloway is like, this S1 form was written by somebody who was on mushrooms. <laughs> because it was, it was all just, a bunch of psycho babble about making the world a better place and collaboration. And, and he says, and it didn't give any details about what was really going on. And so it starts so, raising so some red so flags. You imagine. Okay. So like you imagine like if Greta Thunberg had gone to like, like some, some, some like art school in the city, right. Some sort of magnet program for the, gifted and talented and sensitive young people. And uh, because what we've left out of this is the growing importance, uh, the, the growing relevance and influence of Adam Newman's wife, <laughs> who, who had a very unique way of looking at the world and the universe and not for nothing, she's a cousin of Gwyneth Paltrow. Which was great that they said that she will tell you that at every chance she has. <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that was funny. Um, but then, but it, then it also looked like Gwyneth had her on maybe some sort of goop interview where they were talking about things. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, um, while Mrs. Newman uh, does seem extreme in some of her earth child uh, attitudes. Um, 
let's you know let's let's not confuse Gwyneth with uh, Rosie the Riveter. Okay, um, this is a woman who sells some expensive uh, products. Expensive, products. Exp- expensive. Pro- I'll just say products. <laughs> we'll let the listener do their own research. We'll just say products. Uh, does uh, Mrs. Grimm still have goop.com bookmarked? Still or never did. <laughs> God, you know, free your mind and the rest will follow. Is that That's in vogue? Good. Is that in vogue? I don't know who it is. Oh, is that that bit from uh, the other guys? Is don't it- go chase. Don't go chasing waterfalls. That's TLC. Yeah. Did, okay. you, just quote, did you just quote TLC to me? <laughs> See, I, I'm so unfamiliar with the TLC catalog that like, I, I didn't get that gag. Okay. Anyway. Uh, so Mrs. Newman, whatever her name is, um, was becoming more and more influential. And she is just, uh, it, she's what everybody in the other 49 states think of when they think of California. Um, just, you know, just wearing hemp dresses and, you know, aligning chakras when you get out of the hot tub. I mean, it's just, I mean, she's, I, I, she would be a parody, except the documentary wasn't really funny. We, we were, uh, we've talked about my dog on the podcast a couple of times. Scout. No, our new my new dog. Okay, I, I only like to talk about Scout, but go ahead if you want to talk about your expensive purebred. She, she wasn't expensive, and she's, she's super a, expensive. She, she's a mutt. She's like a labradoodle. She's like a labradoodle, but she's not a labradoodle. Anyhow, uh, we were taking her for a walk. And we come across a woman who says she like it stops in her tracks, and she's like, "I love your dog. Can I, it, can, may I approach your dog?" And we're like, uh, "Yeah." So she like comes up. She's like, oh, "She is amazing." This is your dog that weighs like eighteen pounds. No, this is this is the dog that weighs like fifty pounds. Okay. She's like, "This your dog is amazing. She has wonderful energy. I can feel." She has amazing vibes. I'm like, okay, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> nice to meet you. That was your. That was your. Uh, that was how you ran into uh, Adam Newman's wife. Mrs. Newman. Yeah. So she was. She must have been here in Colorado. Yeah, she must have been. Because <laughs> there could only be one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, except there weren't because there were like tons of people buying in. Yeah. Okay. So so the. Uh, um, they're getting ready for the initial public offering and they do this whole thing and, and, and uh, people, you know, it's all starts coming under a microscope as to what's really going on and they need a bunch of cash just, just to keep the lights on and uh, SoftBank pulls out. They're like, right. We can't, we and, can't do it. And, and that had the effect Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, so, uh, I mean, they're already in for like millions, 
hundreds, hundreds of hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. And when he says, mm, no, we don't want to give you any more money under these circumstances. Everybody else is like, oh, man, we're out. I mean, because if if SoftBank's not going to give him more money after being in this far, well, they know something. And you, you remember at the beginning of Inception where they can't wake uh, Leonardo out of out of the dream. And so they have to give him a kick. And so like he's sitting in a chair and so they have to like kick the chair into a bathtub filled with water to wake him up. You remember that? I sure do. Yeah, it was awesome. But that the kick is kind of what happened. Like everybody woke up from this crazy dream, this hypnotic episode that they were under. Like, whoa, we really are just renting desk space here. And uh, the IPO, the initial public offering gets canceled. Um, Their valuation gets cut in half, like overnight. Right. And so they had to like start. Okay. So, so like they probably had to like fire the baristas. Fire the baristas. The, the, the bartenders, the masseuses, the, uh, the, the ping pong, uh, manager, maintenance, maintenance yeah, personnel. <laughs> Um, and then, and then eventually, uh, pressure is put on Adam to leave the company, him yeah. and his wife. At which point he received a golden parachute, which is worth more than I will ever amass or even be able to consider in my lifetime. I think it was, it, I think it was almost $2 billion. Seriously? Seriously. Unbelievable. Two two billion dollars for being for for just being a huckster because um, they have video they have video of him on like Squawk Box or some contemptible um, you know chat show uh, saying oh yes we're very profitable I mean how is that 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 sir that is a that is a despicable lie yeah. Um- in October of 2019, the Wall Street Journal reported that Newman would receive close to $1.7 billion from SoftBank for stepping down from WeWork. Well, Brian, $1.7 billion is not exactly $2 billion. Yeesh. Talk about, talk about exaggerating for your own ends. I know. That's, that's WeWork math that I was doing right there. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I, you know, so look, so then we go back to the executive assistant and she, okay. So here's the thing. And you, and this is where you and I both know that this crap happens when you are invested in a company. Um, you know, that there's more stuff important. There's stuff that's more important than this. We're not guys who, um, uh, ultimately define ourselves by what we do professionally right Right. Uh, we we would rather be um serious men uh in our uh community we would rather um 
be viewed as uh, good husbands, uh, in your case, a good father, um, you know, that that would be more important to you than being, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, but you and I have both bought in and, and made a big part of our identity that which we've done for money. Mm -hmm. And when, as it turns out, in our cases, for different reasons, to be clear, um, we have been uh, ignominiously shown the door. Um, uh, it's a tough beat. It's a tough beat. Yeah, it is. You, yeah. You, you, uh, your, your mind starts telling you things when you're when you're searching for answers as to why this happened and what should i do next your mind starts answering those questions and not all of them are the truth or really make sense um i think because here's the thing you've got to justify to yourself what you're doing with this big chunk of your life mm -hmm. So I think that there's a tendency, I, I, speaking for myself, and, and not because I work for WeWork, but um, uh, when uh, I was I, I was store manager of of the of the bookstore, we were you know doing I don't know two or three million dollars in sales, which I thought was kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, certainly in a, in a, in a, in a retail endeavor, but, um, uh, and we were profitable, you know, we we're making money and it seemed like we were working awfully hard for not a ton of money, but that was net, you know, after everything, every, everything, everybody had been paid, you know, so, uh, you know, I was kind of proud of that and what the heck, it wasn't my two or $3 million. So I, you know, I, I was respectful of, of other people letting me run their business, except mm -hmm. really I was just an apparatchik in place, you know, kept on a very short lease in a very, you know, small pen. Um, because, because tons of stuff, and I think this is true. I mean, if you take, if you, if you look at the um, you know, the people who are running whatever, um, you know, PetSmart, right? I mean, do they really know what the PNL is about? Or, I mean, it's, it, it, I mean, these are, to a large extent, these are corporate decisions. The corp, you know, um, the, the, the boundaries are set by the corporate office. Uh, even a ton of the, uh, personnel is handled by corporate mm -hmm. human resources uh, who, you know, and don't, don't even get me started there because, you know, all the crybabies that can't be near peanut butter have all grown up and are working in HR now. But anyway, um, uh, you you got to justify what you're doing with so much of your time. Mm -hmm. So, 
I don't know. Maybe I, you know, I, I, I look at it and I think in, in ways um, there was like a Stockholm syndrome going on, you know, where like I had fallen in love with my kidnapper. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it was a means to an end. Uh, uh, Mrs. Winger and I were enjoying a, a, a solidly middle-class existence. Um, you know, you know, and I don't want to. I don't want to get too personal, but I just think that I I had got to a point where I thought relatively little of myself, little of my prospects outside a particular system, mm-hmm. uh, a certain commercial um, enterprise, and um, couldn't imagine going anyplace else mm-hmm. until I had to. So, uh, by the way. I hear they're doing terrible now. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, so 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 even though I thought that the executive assistant was kind of whiny and kind of like young, I kind of got her. Well, she she, you know, she had the rug really pulled out from underneath her, and. And one thing that we didn't talk about, but the culture of WeWork was to work 12 hour days and, and just, just keep working on this thing. And, and, you know, this, this guy, this delusional Adam Newman is, you know, he wake up at two in the morning and start sending off emails to people and wanting them to respond and wanting, wanting things to happen. Um, And so they're pouring, they're really pouring their, their young lives into this thing. And then to have it just evaporate very, very quickly. Okay, though that is also the nature of entrepreneurial ventures and startups. So the other side of that is, okay, well, I'm, I'm sorry that the poor deers feel uh, betrayed, but that happens more than was and steve jobs come up with a thing that'll change the world sure it does uh usually though the uh, the collateral damage is a lot smaller uh you don't this was a 47 billion i mean they were throwing around crazy numbers about what this company was worth and there were a whole bunch of people that were attached to it it wasn't three guys in a garage and their families it was a lot bigger than that okay okay yeah, fine. Well, uh, so, I mean, nevertheless, I mean, there's like yeah. a, a lot it, of like, it happens. It a, happens. A lot of companies get big. I mean, like you know, Atari was kind of big, right? And then, yeah, and U.S. Then U, U.S. West was big. Enron was big. Enron was huge, and they had like a ton of people's. Uh, those are hor- those are horrible stories. Now that's twenty years old. Yeah. And, and that, but I mean, like a lot of people had like their entire everything. Yeah, all their retirement, everything. They didn't have Dogecoin the way you and I do. <laughs> Ryan, what a what a blessed time to be alive. I was just about to say, man, the world is getting better, isn't it? Dogecoin. <laughs> this episode of. Managing Expectations has been brought to you by MrsWinger.com, the maker of stylish, comfortable, and effective masks.
they are right in line with um, the CDC's direction for uh, um, masks that are double layered. They are uh, breathable, but they're tightly knit. Uh, they're cotton. Um, there's space for an additional filter, if you so desire. Uh, they are um, uh, the, the, the straps around the ears are more comfortable than anything you're going to find, uh, certainly more so than elastic. Um, and uh, as, as we've said previously, we're not down uh, the mountain yet. Um, obviously, there's a lot of politi politicization, politicization, politi making political the wearing of masks. Uh, that's not where we're coming from. Uh, you know, we're coming from there's something in the air and you don't want it. And um, so check out mrswinger.com. Uh, you know, we're not, uh, you know, we're not trying to take your freedom. Uh, but if you want to uh, take your, take your uh, safety in your own hands um, and wear a good mask, mrswinger.com is the place for you to go yeah also hey have, have you been able to listen to levine's podcast at all i've missed the last couple of them he's uh, you know he, uh the last one was awfully personal uh he really got into a thing um just the idea of friendship and uh you know he's such an introverted guy mm -hmm. but it's it's so it's so personal and he's such a nice guy. Uh, you should really uh, go to Spotify or one of a number of also ran platforms um, to uh, check out his Refresher Therapy podcast. Uh, Refresher Therapy podcast by Chris Levine. Uh, every once in a while, he'll still toss up a 7208 with uh, his son Harrison. Those are, those are awfully good, but uh, um, refreshers great and then uh, finally uh, our friend Ray Barber at uh, All in a Dream Comics and Books in Denver Colorado he can he's at uh, 3115 East Colfax in Denver and he can be reached at 303-333-8616 uh, um, just a terrific uh, bookstore comic bookstore uh, Ray knows this stuff um, better than anybody. He's been at it for 35 years, maybe 40. Um, he started when he was a kid and now he's not a kid. And uh, so anyway, uh, check out All in a Dream uh, in Denver or give Ray a call. I bet he can set you up with what you need. Um, you know, and look, we would be remiss if we didn't also mention that if you like what you're listening to, if you if you're picking up what we're laying down, we'd ask you to share it, uh, uh, subscribe, uh, share it with a friend. You know, word of mouth is terrific. Oh, sure, if you get around to a five star review, whatever. But you know what? 
we're we're really happy when uh, people, uh, uh, you know, dig dig what we're doing. And we and think, we we do. <laughs> yeah, I uh, yeah yeah. Don't uh, you can't go by me. I, I I hate myself, and I just wish that Brian would talk more. But uh, we'll see other, other people, <laughs> <laughs> other, pe- other people, what we need. Uh, here's here's what we really want. We want to our goal is 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 like this. We want to be able to make enough money that when Brian has to send a friend something, he, he can go ahead and FedEx oh, it boy, instead of go. taking it to the here. post office where where they'll charge you a premium but not guarantee their service. Okay. So it's like two days ish. Yeah. We're not, we're, we got some wiggle room on that. Yeah. Remember, remember how we talked about uh, perfect is the enemy of good. Last time. Uh, it wasn't last time. It was, it was uh, the last one anyone's heard. Um, also, I, I can't help but notice that our 50th episode uh, is, as far as Apple thinks, is uh, actually our 46th episode. But I don't know why it does that. Well, I can tell you why. Because remember, there were there were like the two episodes that were so horrible, we thought that they would ruin our 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 reputation. Ah. As opposed as opposed to all that sparkling uh broadcasting uh that we actually have let stay and then there was the one that we did that you lost but that's still that's still that's still only three so there's one that i can't account for okay so three guys go to a bar and and order beers and it's thirty dollars (laughs) which is it's it's three dollars a beer i don't know (laughs) you you have you you heard this this riddle about the missing dollar uh i have uh i was i hate that stuff there's a there's a bit and uh, and our mutual friend nick uh always thought that this was like the most hilarious thing like um in in the movie uh it's a mad 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 world which was like this this tour de, this comedic tour de force now is this the is this the one with mr bean or is this the one that came out in the 70s it's the one that came out in the 60s mm. with like jack benny and uh phil silvers <laughs> and um who else was in it um uh, there's that what there's that one actor who died early young uh, I think he played uh, the Nazi and the original producers um, uh, I, 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 I can't yeah, even, yeah. yeah. It, it, it was Stanley Kramer who directed uh, Judgment at Nuremberg but he was doing comedy and and so Anyway, our mutual friend Nick liked it, and almost no one else can be found who likes it. But there's a whole thing about 
four like they do a thing with like four wheels four tires on the car and then plus the spare and then they like do this thing yeah it's it's like a it's like a math problem that's got to do with fractions and you know look hey hey uh, you know part of managing expectations is taking it easy on the mathematics that's right that's right so wherever that episode is it doesn't really matter because mm-hmm. this is episode 52 this, that's right and uh yeah and we yep. thank you very much for joining us yep okay okay so uh don't be adam newman lesson for the day newman <laughs> don't be mrs newman <laughs> want to sniff my candle I don't know what that means i know you don't um but if you are going to be a crazy delusional hipster entrepreneur uh throw some money at managing expectations that's Is that right. where you're going with that that's where i'm going with it yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the 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 best thing though that we left out from this is that what scott galloway said that uh, if you tell a 30 something male that he's Jesus Christ, he's inclined to believe you. (laughs) You know, uh, you know, uh, I do admire the fact that uh, Scott Galloway does seem to know, I I mean, and he knows the same reason I know, because I've been there, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's totally like the Germans say, only this is i'm going to say it in english um uh we get too soon old and too late smart mm-hmm. you know so i uh, i mean I, I you know never trust anybody o- over 30 i barely trust you if you are 30 and frankly you should probably be closer to 40 before i think that you can even find your way to the restroom yeah yeah <laughs> You know, my I'd, I'd be taking my kids to the bathroom, you know, when they're 30. Okay, did you wash your hands? Come on. Did you use soap? <laughs> you smell your hands. I'm going to assume you have more experience taking youngsters to the bathroom than I do. I do. I do. All right. Okay. Uh, this has been episode 52 of Managing Expectations. Thanks very much for tuning in, and we will talk to you again. Uh, take care of yourself out there. Let's go to work. <laughs> <laughs>